peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. Uh, it's been a while, guys. Welcome uh, welcome back to um, the, the podcast. I guess you can say myself, too. Uh, there's been a lot of, not changes, but a lot of uh, really cool developments that we've been working on, you know, since our last podcast. And, you know, we wanted to come on and kind of share with everybody what's to be expected coming down here this next year. Um, first, I want to go to introduce the newest coach that's over with Softly. His name is Matt Sanderson. I hope I didn't screw that up. Um, but right away off the bat, guys, you're going to go ahead and notice that he has a brilliant accent because he isn't from the uh, from the States. He is from the UK. Um, and something really special about Matt is, you know, he got to serve in the Air Force over there as pretty much a physiotherapist. Am I correct, Matt? Um, more more in the, um, like, the S&C and then, like, a, um, like a kind of a bridge between that and a, and a physio, more in, in that kind of a so he pretty much was working with tactical professionals, um, helping fix them, and they were broken, um, which was really cool. So he comes from a, you know, we're not going to get too far into it. I won't. He'll let him get into it. But, you know, he comes with quite a bit of experience from the science side of the, of the house. And, you know, as everyone knows that, you know, good old GB3 enjoys his... Uh, his theories. So, you know, I think the, the, the higher ups for us, you know, saw that, Hey, let's go ahead and bring someone in that's going to be able to jive. And, you know, ever since Matt's been with the company since last, uh, what we say, August, October, Yeah, August, September, time. <clears throat> August, September timeframe, you know, um, there's been a lot of really great conversations. I mean, you know, from onboarding him, getting him transitioned to the company up to speed with what goes on here, um, to us now developing and doing some really cool things under the human performance cell of the house, something that, you know, I couldn't do by myself. Um, and having Matt here now is, uh, something that, you know, I'm super grateful for and excited about cause it's only made me better. And, you know, he uh, he will sit here and listen to my theories and ideas and will go and find scientific evidence and back them up and being like, look, mate, you are correct when, you know, it's uh, it's very reassuring and really cool. So, uh, you know, again, guys, welcome back to the show. We are going to be doing this a lot more. We have quite a bit of a... Uh, I, I guess we'll go ahead and get into it throughout the podcast, but we got some really cool things coming up. But further ado, guys, Matt, you know, fill us in, dude. Tell us what's up. You know, man, welcome to the to this podcast, his very first one. <laughs> yeah, cheers. I, I was going to try and uh, completely throw you off and put on some massive sudden draw um, and, and and just kind of run with that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, no, absolute pleasure to, to kind of be on with you. And, and kind of like you said, we've the amount of... Uh, amount of stuff we've kind of discussed offline over the past few months that has, has been really exciting both both in terms of kind of new ideas for the company and, and perhaps new kind of direction for like for our little team has, has been super exciting so it's yeah it's going to be cool to, to dig into yeah no it, it's cool man like one thing that's really interesting especially you know having you come over into the company <clears throat> is you know for the longest time, you know, I, I'd had a lot of anecdotal experience for a lot of things in the strength conditioning world. Um, and I think it was just due, and I don't think I know, it was, it was due to the path that I'd taken for that, you know, and to kind of sit here and communicate with you on a level that, you know, we don't get 
often. It's kind of only the time whenever we sit here for a few hours a day and conversate and make those those connections where, to be completely honest, it's like it makes the academic world to me that much more exciting because it does give you, you know, insight to individuals who are doing really good things from, hey, wait a minute, like you said, like you said yesterday, right? Like our reality can't be put into a vacuum, you know, when it's an applied world. Like I, that is huge. That's massive. And like that sticks with me because again, we try and put a lot of things into a vacuum to like, again, we talked about it, circular and logical type thinking, right? So it's been great to kind of not have circular thinking here between you and I and have more of a logical thought process and a communication of a two-way street. And that's been really great. So, you know, I, I think that the the listeners are going to go ahead and enjoy the podcast we have with each other just because of the fact that, you know, we're not just bouncing ideas off of each other, but, you know, there's legit like, you know, a foundation there between you and I and our dynamic in terms of like sharing what is to come next, not just for the company, but like how we view the strength conditioning world, especially in the tactical professional community, right? Yeah. Because again, at the end of the day, that's our baby. And I'll tell that mm-hmm. to anybody, right? Like we can go ahead and look at power athlete as like the guys for the strength conditioning for football and all that good stuff, right? And But at the end of the day, though, like Softly's becoming that company to where we're the, the end-all be-all for the tactical professionals. You know, we're focusing on integrating a multifaceted system that will allow for them to manage their occupational stress that much better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's, again, kind of going back to what you were saying about um, you kind of coming from literally the, the door-kicking applied side of the house. That's that's where that's been been super interesting because I'll I'll definitely be, I'll be the first to admit so my my job was, a, was a, as a physical training instructor um, so if the, if the guys are interested, if you whack that into YouTube, you'll see our cool outfit, our cool uniform, <laughs> li- literally uh, a white vest, white short shorts, pulled up white socks and old school honking white trainers. That's that's literally what I cut around in. So I'm definitely not the the kind of the bearded operator who was, who was kind of rocking all the, all the Gucci Oakleys and stuff like that. Um, but I, I had a different perspective because, as you said, it was kind of prepping and fixing those guys. So where some of our conversations have been really interesting is that we can now, I guess, shed light on the stuff that the other person didn't see. I, um, yes. Like, I, yeah. 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 And I, and I think that's, that's kind of where, where the, the world of particularly tactical SNC at the moment is, is, is so exciting, so interesting because we're, we're now starting to be in a position where like, again, like we talked about yesterday, we're making the transitions from, well, we, we know this happens in the lab and we know this happens in the field because we've, we felt it and experienced it. Now, how, how do those things kind of come together? Like how, what's the, so what of that? Um, and like, like so many times we'll be, we'll be chatting and I'll kind of come to George with, with like a, a brand new research paper that I've just found, just been published 2021, 2020. And it's, it's super exciting. It's something I've never heard of. And George would be like, well, yeah, no shit. I, I was doing that 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's this idea of like um, of kind of figuring out why some of the stuff that we've experienced and we understand from in the field, like trying to figure out the, the why does that happen, so that in the future we can leverage that rather than it being kind of like the, the kind of the grey mystical box that we don't know what comes in and what comes out. Yeah, that's interesting too, because like I think you know this is something that me and you are really good at. Like you know, I, I think we notice that a lot of people do fixate on the why of why does this happen, right? But when it's actually the idea of like how do we fix it, 
instead, mm. right? Like how do we fix that? And what does that look like to be enjoyable for the athlete and for the coach who's training the athlete, right? Or getting the person to go ahead and understand, like we talked about, like the occupational management of stress, right? When someone, and we'll use a police officer, for example, right? We know why they have a certain response when they walk up onto a, a traffic stop, why? Mm. Because there's a known of all these other incidents and situations that have come from it. Cool. We can train for that, right? But we also can't train for when it does happen. Yeah. But when it does happen, we know how to go ahead and mitigate the effect of that incident, you know, after it's done. We've talked about this before too. Remember that one time when I told you I was talking to an officer here who lives out here and he was off of a training, he was off of his work for at least like five days came back in his first traffic stop, his heart rate was through the roof. He was responding in a different way than as if he would have in the past, just because his system wasn't used to it. And then he comes yeah. back and is like, Oh, it took me this, like, it felt like it took me a while to like recover. Well, it's like, well, we know why that happened. How do we fix that? Right? Like we, we mm -hmm. talked about that before is like, how do we fix that? And I think a lot of the conversations that we've, we've had offline have been about the diagnosis and not the why actually. Like we understand the why, we're finding the foundations, but we're really trying to diagnose the problem. To go back to the officer who has a traffic stop, heart rate spikes, hands get clammy, central nervous system goes into this flight, fight or flight mode, right? He then goes through his procedures, does his thing, comes back, sits into his car, and now he has to go ahead and get back and get back to alert. We know that with increased central nervous, central nervous tension that our peripheral narrowing does what? It gets smaller. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, we know those things happen, but it's not just like why it's like, how do we go ahead and fix it when it does happen? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. So the, the, the so what of, of that. And, and I think, um, again, it's kind of, obviously we, we have, we have like the anecdotal side of the house. So we, we have the, the particularly you, we have the awesome opportunity to like, to listen to people, to listen to that N equals one. Like, what does the guy on the ground have to say about X, Y, and Z? What happens? What happens on a traffic stop and things like that? But we also then have the have the like the the research and the lab side of of things where we can. It's not real, but we can look at the like the heart rate response to simulations and things like that. So we can get kind of an idea of of what's happening internally. Um, and and yeah, we're we're kind of the. I think the work to be done now is the the next step, exactly like you're saying, is the so what? So now we know that happens. How can we either like prep for yep. it to happen the next time, or or how can we kind of put together some kind of protocol to um, to like increase the recovery afterwards? Because we're we're kind of like quite, I think, quite a unique area of S and C in that this sounds so cheesy, but quite often there isn't a second chance quite often there isn't a second half where you can like pick back up you, it's you've got to be ready to go yeah it's like we're not playing call of duty you don't respond after you get killed unfortunately <laughs> yeah 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 i mean we make light of it but it's, it's a very real like the guys have to be be ready we can't afford to kind of make make errors and things like that yeah, so like, you know, what I want to kind of talk about today is one is introducing you into, you know, all our listeners, because again, like I said, I've been getting hit up this past, uh, uh, I guess the past couple months for this new year so far. And hey, where's a podcast that would happen to them? Um, and just like everything else, we kind of had to step back a little bit and kind of look at it from a different perspective. And how can we bring uh, more value to the table and not just, you know, what we have 
in the past, right? Because again, as, as everyone knows, Softly's always been the one to continue to evolve. Um, and, and the one thing that I've loved the fact about having you back on the staff or having you on staff now and us having like our team that we're developing, the human performance team, is the fact that like we've gone back to a lot of things that, you know, we were doing back in 2015, 16, 17, you know, like you said it perfect yesterday, like I got away from the barbell all of the biofeedback stuff and all those things and got completely to the left of it. But I've also been completely to the right of it. And like, I'm at that point now to where like I can use both of them in a manner that allow for me to go ahead and dictate my own training. If I want to just kind of focus on longevity and the same thing for you, right? Like you've been tracking HRV for a hot, a hot minute now. And you know, hmm. we've, we can sit here and have intelligent conversations about it and understand like, okay, cool. This isn't the end all be all, but we understand it's just a tool to give us an insight because again, from your perspective within the lab, we can still simulate something to in a degree to give us an understanding of what that response will look like. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and where, where it's been, again, where some of our conversations have been really good. And this is definitely something I want to kind of dive into as we, as we do more of these, is this idea of, of like, again, what you talked about at the start of things not happening in a vacuum. So particularly with your, your schooling, your academic background from the, from the psychology perspective, kind of recognizing that what happens on duty and what happens on shift is not different to what happens when you're at home talking to your significant other and when you're at, like on, on shift, kind of knowing that those things are, are like are interlinked. Yeah. Um, that, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely going to be our, uh, like a next area of interest, next area of focus. Yeah. Well, you know, so I, I honestly, man, I just want to kind of like give a background of kind of what you did. Obviously we know that you were, you know, at the end of the day, a strength conditioning coach for the air force, which is really cool to say like, you know, the UK air force has that. And I think the, the United States military is finally kind of following in suit with seeing like master instructors, um, and other types of like strength conditioning coaches who are trying to help make, um, you know, the military a more, uh, more of an asset than a liability, you know, let's just be completely honest. Um, so, you know, like for me, dude, like I got, a, I got a few questions in terms and I'm pretty sure like, and I haven't asked them before. And I think it just kind of came up to him last night was, you know, when you're working in a, in a, in a setting like such with the military and that, you know, what is the type of person that do you usually get someone who is super motivated or not? And what do you do when they're not super motivated to get back into the fight or do their job? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Good. Very good question. Certainly when, um, so just, just to kind of to clarify, um, in, in my, so in my role, we, we're a little bit of a, a kind of anomaly in the Britain, in the British military in particular, where in the in the Royal Air Force, as physical training instructors, we as, as civilians, we apply to do that job. And then we're we're kind of screened and selected before we go through basic training. So we do as soon as we finish basic training, we're straight into that school. So that's literally what we do from, from day one of our military career is we work in that field. Um, whereas the, the Army, the Royal Marines and the Royal Navy are kind of more similar to like the master master trainer master fitness instructor that you guys have here where they have like a real job first yeah and then go across um so just kind of having having that sort of set the scene really for, for what i was going to say um i came before joining up i, I worked in like a small athletic performance-based gym really um so my my perspective my opinion was that when I joined up and was working with military personnel, they'd all be like absolutely jacked. They'd all be really fired up and love this and love training. But the, the kind of hindsight was that, or sorry, the, the realization was that actually it was just a cross section of, of 
normal society. So yeah, you, you've got those guys. You've got guys who are also really, really talented athletes in the sporting sense. Uh, people that take their job really seriously and, and kind of like yourself and the rest of the guys on the, on the board know that being fit is, is kind of paramount to surviving the job and looking after the guys to the left and right of you. But you've also got those who, who struggle with fitness um, and who, again, particularly in the Air Force, because we're, we're selected as, um, as kind of specialists first. Um, you, you've got guys who maybe aren't going to ever have to put a Bergen on and, and, and kind of tab 20, 30 miles, but they're really good at like knowing how to fix the jet. So, so you kind of, you need that. Um, and uh, I guess it's, it's about kind of the, the motivation side of things and, and making it interesting is, is kind of about like meeting them where they are, figuring out like, okay, we kind of know where we want to get you, but how can we get you to, to kind of care and be interested in this enough to, to do that? Yeah. And that's always more important, I think, than, than kind of exactly what you do. Um, so lots of games, lots of kind of like silly stuff and, and just getting to, getting to know the guys really. Like, is it, what is it that kind of like, that, that ticks your boxes? What is it that makes this interesting? Is it that you want to be able to still play with your kids when you or your grandkids, sorry, when you when you kind of out the other side of your career, is it that you want to be able to run a five k on the weekend with your with your husband or your wife? Um, just just kind of figuring that stuff out, I think, really helps frame everything else that you do. Man, it's funny, like, cause that question, I feel like you ask everyone, and I feel like that's a that's a that's an answer that we would go to if someone understands like the human brain, right? Like, the the mind is very complex and unpredictable, but. You know, we can predict it once we know the human being that much better. And I think that's kind of one of those things where, you know, I think a lot of people miss the mark, especially in the military, right? Like when it comes to that tactical community of the military, I think there's this stigma of like, oh, I'm a support person. I don't need to be that fit. Or I'm a special operations individual. I need to go ahead and just crush myself into the ground. When it's like, well, you know... There's the support guy who, like you said, who turns a wrench on the jet and the guy who carries a ruck for 20 to 30 miles, you know, are not very, are not too different. They're not different at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Like one has to go ahead and utilize more of a cognitive effort compared to, and I'm not saying that the guy with the special operations doesn't have the cognitive effort into it. It's just, it's just a different type of skill set that they carry in that. And you have to respect, like you said, Hey, he's here for this. He's here for this. Obviously he's not going to have that mentality to go in and just crush it every single day. Like the special operations guy does. Like, so you have to be able to go ahead and meet that from that. But the similarities are the same. We're still looking to go ahead and increase durability, sustainability, transferability, longevity, resiliency, right? We talk about all the time, the idea of like repeatability because that's Mm -hmm. what we need. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head with the, with the longevity side of things. I mean, ultimately, like the, the kind of the, the top of the pyramid, if you like, the peak might look a little bit different for those two individuals. But ultimately, it's still got to be based on that that huge foundation of health and wellness, because both of them are going to kind of going to come unstuck if the health isn't there. It doesn't matter how, how kind of how high your VO2 max is or what your, what your one rep max back squat is or your, your kind of your three-mile run time. If the if the health isn't there, then sooner or later you're gonna you're gonna have some real issues, and we're, we're kind of seeing that with with kind of um, like with with guys having genuine health problems, even though they look very fit, uh, sort of to from an aesthetic point of view or from a numbers point of view. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think banging that 
banging that big uh, big focus on on kind of the foundation of health and fitness is is huge. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we've kind of gone back to. I guess our conversations have led to like more of like, hey, we're not so focused on the peak. At the moment, we're focused more on the health and, and the wellness of the individual, especially in the tattoo community, I think. And um, we said this the other day where it was like, you know, at the end of the day, it was an idea of let's go ahead and peak this individual for X, Y, and Z. Now it's about, hey, let's go ahead and make sure that this person can go ahead and handle everything every, everything else within the alphabet and not just X, Y, and Z, which is health and wellness. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and it kind of yeah. goes back down to the idea of like the human is first, the profession is second. We've talked about that multiple times yeah. where it's like, hey, yeah, yeah. no matter what job you do, no matter what stress that you go through, like it's you're a human and you're going to go ahead and respond to stress the same exact way as someone else will. You just go ahead and learn how to tolerate differently than everyone else due to your experiences and environmental impacts, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, completely, and, and and that's again where we can where we can kind of learn and and, and borrow from the, the sort of the world of sports science, as in like performance sport, is is with things like the the kind of the old school GPP and, and SPP, like the um, like the ideas of, of different types of preparation. So it's really it's really easy, I guess, within sport, but particularly in the tactical world, to get sucked into this idea of of how cool the specific physical prep looks. So it looks really sexy when you're like, when you're having guys do um, high intensity stuff followed by maybe some marksmanship work or something something that kind of is is very uh, obviously tactical in inverted commas. Um, but just like just like in kind of prepping a sport athlete, that that can only be a tiny bit of what it is you do, and it has to be based on that like huge solid foundation of of general physical prep, of, of the, the health and the wellness and stuff that's not quite so sexy and exciting to look at, but is essential as, a, as like a framework for, for all those things you're talking about, like longevity. Well, and it, it's it's funny because like there's a conversation we fell into, and it, we always come back to this, I feel like, the past couple of days, but the whole acceptance, uh, the rate of acceptance of force or force acceptance, right? Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. From, um, you know, when we're talking about agility and change of direction and, and what mm. is, you know, we everyone talks about like, change of direction when everyone talks about rate of development or development of force or however you want to look at it but no one really talks about like the the acceptance of energy that an individual must sustain before having to go ahead and do another movement or perform Mm -hmm. another skill or whatever else and that's where we kind of started talking about this idea of of agility not just from a physical standpoint but from a psychological standpoint as well and how you know how change of direction agility training within a tactical communities like overview of training could actually save their life long term due to the implications and the influences from that change of direction or that agility of that unknown to known stimulus to make decisions on the on the manner that we need and that's a part of their job Mm, yeah i think the like the 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 cognitive side of of the the tactical athlete or tactical professional um i think is a is a massive field. It's something that we're really just kind of scratching the surface on, on kind of understanding. Um, and that, again, it's it's gonna it's got to be about like integrating the the things that we know. Like a lot of the stuff you talk about from from your schoolwork, from psychology. Like we, a lot of things we know and they're fairly well established. But because it's it's being taught and used in a different language to the language we use in strength conditioning and and kind of fitness training. Like often there's there's a bit of a mismatch. Um, so again, I think I think that's kind of where 
someone like yourself who not only do you have the kind of first-hand experience of, of literally doing the job, literally kicking in doors, you've also got the kind of the, the, the language from coaching and from uh, S&C and, and that side of the house. But now with, with kind of opening, opening the door into the psychology side of things, we're, we're able to kind of, um, I, I guess, expand from it just being a, a physiological model. So just looking at kind of muscles and tendons and bones and things like that and energy systems, it's now, well, we know that the brain and the nervous system has to fire all this. So actually it's really important, like what goes on between your ears. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, you know, when we go ahead and look at it, like when we understand fatigue management, you know, I think a lot of people take um, the psychological standpoint for granted, right? Like they, yeah. they forget like, hey, like not just do you need to go ahead and recover from a physical standpoint, you also need to recover from a psychological standpoint. And again, because again, I'm sorry, well, let me, let me back up. From the idea of understanding stress, right? We understand what stress can do to us. It can be positive, negative, and neutral. That's it we can control that stress as well once it has happened, if that makes sense, right? Mm, yeah. So for example, yeah. again, we'll go back to the, we'll go ahead and say that we have a firefighter who has to, you know, go and save someone out of a, a building on the second floor, has to knock a window down, put the ladder up, run up through it and do all these other things. We know that he can handle that, that situation, right? That that's not the case. Like we know he's physically strong enough to handle it. He can do all those things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But is he psychologically strong enough to go ahead and cope with the after actions of that situation? So what the body is going to be doing from an acute phase to a to potentially chronic phase if he doesn't take care of himself from a psychological standpoint. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, for me, I, I've done a lot of, you know, one, learning how to speak better and communicate to where I can have the same color cups across the board for people um, this yeah. past year. And it's really helped me understand, especially us having these conversations to where whenever we say something, it has some kind of value because it means something towards whatever the point we're talking about, going back to the idea of fatigue management, bringing us right back to it. The idea of fatigue management just doesn't come from the, like we said, from the physical, it also comes from a psychological. And I think that's something that a lot of people in the tactical community forget because again, there's a stigma of like, you just got to go hard all the time. And if you're not crushing yourself, you're not working hard. And you know, if you don't work out or if you do all these other things, it's, it's, it's weird and it's not right. And it's changing over time. Believe me. Yes, we know mm -hmm. that we know it's changing, yeah, yeah. but again, it's just kind of one of those things where it's just like an uneven <laughs> seesaw that we're, we're looking and playing with right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to pick up on one of the points you, you said about the like the communication, the importance of that, um, that's, that's something I, I think, again, in the particular in the tactical community, like you said, I think it's changing. I think we're doing a good job of, of breaking down those stigmas. But, but this idea of um, like the media portraying all firefighters as bit as like being jacked in town and like all all kind of warfighters, all, all all police officers, all in shape, and they're they're all kind of um, constantly ready to go. And like and, and knowing that there's um, there's things like they're real people. So knowing there's things going on potentially at home that, that aren't necessarily to do with the stresses of the job, they're, they're just as likely to be affected by kind of financial problems or problems with like marriages and kids and things like that. Like that 
trying to trying to kind of instill that that idea of the importance of communication. So both in terms of the 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 tactical professional being able to talk to their wife and their kids or their husband and their kids or or kind of their, their support network and be able to communicate actually I I I've got a problem or actually no I'm I'm smashing it. I'm 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 really good. Like now to have those conversations is is huge because like we, we were talking about before this this idea of of, of managing stress isn't isn't just a case of jumping on a foam roller or doing some contrast bathing and, and suddenly being all good. There's there's lots of other factors to that. Yeah, and and what's cool is the fact that like the two of us, you know, together are going to be able to share a lot of this stuff in a very helpful manner that kind of crosses the bridge for the tactical community, especially coming from Softly. You know, um, the, the biggest thing I like to take away from that too, as well as like when we talk about stress, right? We've even written it down because we're working on a project right now. Um, and, and, and we've, I, mean, I think I've mentioned it before, but we really, I'm really looking at this as a tactical community or the tactical professional needs to look at it from a biopsychosocial model. So if anybody's never heard of the biopsychosocial model, go ahead and look it up. Um, it's a great model and it, and it takes into account not just the physical, the psychological, but also your social support network um, that really helps kind of create this, this infinity spiral that we talk a lot about of continuing things. And when we break down stress, you made a really good point, you know, being able to be as transparent with yourself, but also with your family. Um, is big, right? Because, you know, when we do go ahead and break down stress for us, at least, you know, we look at like life stress, emotional stress, and occupational stress. Um, and we can talk about, you know, if, and when we go and look at occupational stress, I think people forget about that one the most because they look at it as it's just a job. I have to do this. So it's expected to have, it's like, no, you're right, correct. Like you have to do it. It's just, it's kind of what society needs. You need to work. But you also don't need to kill yourself for that job either. That understanding when you are in a tactical community or a, or a military profession or LEO firefighter, first responder, that your ready life is already at that potential already. Why would you just go ahead and put it there? I would, I would think we want to kind of keep ourselves away from it as far as possible. So when it, if it gets to that point, you have the ability to be aware of what's going on. I guess it just kind I'm of, not buffers in. correct. Right. The margin of error. Yeah. And we talked about that yesterday, right? Like we, you know, we were, I was like, what is a minimum effective dose? <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole, but it comes down to like the same idea though. Is like, what is that margin of error? If you're completely in the red at all times, what's your margin of error mm. of the red, yeah. you know? But if I can understand and mitigate and be efficient to move through the green, yellow, and red, I then have the ability to control that margin of error because I was able to approach something in the green. Now I have yellow and red to go through before just staying in the red at all times. Um, and I, I think, I, I, yeah, go for it. Sorry. sorry. You're good. I, I was just going to say, I think that's, that's got to be the next step for, for kind of, it, let's almost move it beyond training and just think of it as physical or as, as preparation for the, for the tactical athletes is, is this idea of like how how can we create the biggest buffer zone possible and that's that's not just in terms of like from a physiological perspective like in in terms of like how can we um how can we make someone stronger or faster or, or, or able to kind of do more reps it, it's also like how how can we how can we give them the tools to like like you talked about the, the firefighter earlier, how can we give them the tools to be able to do that job, go home, still be the, the wife, the husband, whatever they need to be at home, and then get up and do that same job again the next day and again and again and again for 20, 30 years? Like that's that's what we've got to be trying to work on, I think, is getting that uh, kind of scaling it up almost. So it, it's not like a, kind of a one-off snapshot of, like how much how much physical training have I done today? It's well, how good am I at, at being sustainable 
over the over the long term and and i think that's the reason why we also again fill down that that rabbit hole of like minimum effective dose what is that minimum effective dose to be able to stay sustainable to give yourself to everything that's in your life right you know you have your family your kids your job your friends your own training you know mm. like you have all these things that you go through and it's kind of like all right how do i how do i how do i mitigate and navigate through this cuz that's realistically what yeah. it is right like you throw a ruck it's literally like throwing a ruck on your back and going through a fucking 10 point navigation course with you know a bunch of fucking mountains you got to climb and go down and you have to do it in a certain time period it's kind of pressure that's kind of feels like over time so it's like you know well, why don't we learn how to how do we learn, why don't we learn how to cope and mitigate with those things so it only makes me that much better for my job? Which at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if I get better for my job, it will allow for me to be better for everyone else around me. But because or because I focused on me first, or focused on like, hey, these are the things that matter within my job as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just something instead of like making the job the thing, it needs to be blended into your everyday life, and I think that's something that you know, a lot of people are starting to kind of like look at from a a different perspective, especially coming from the sports and science world, the sports and psychology world, right? We've always looked at them too as in two separate spheres. And it's kind of like, how do we integrate these spheres together to make something, you know, again, not change a name, not do any of those things, but create this sphere, new sphere that gives us something new, right? With a bunch of the stuff that's been behind us, that's been built already. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Like, how how can we kind of, uh, I guess, get a get a more complete picture of, of what's going on? Yeah. Well, leading us now into the next thing. So, this complete picture that you do speak of, Matt. Um, <laughs> you know, since we've been since he's since he's come on, we've had plenty of conversations for hours on our Zoom. Um, on the Zoom platform, we should be sponsored by them, by the way, since you know that's all we do. Um, but. You know, we've actually had conversations and we're currently working on a few projects that will allow for us to kind of, you know, start integrating that. And I think our first project is going to be doing this Lunch and Learn series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, yeah. and, and this idea was actually really smart when we kind of got to a point with what one of the projects that we're developing that we were like, all right, what's the next step? You know, is this going to is this going to work? Is this going to be a thing? And, you know, I, I think this, the smart thing to do next is kind of start sharing our ideas and what's going to be coming of it as a proof of concept um, yeah. to kind of keep people excited about what's to come. Um, you know, because we have a lot of things in the works right now that I, I, I'm super excited about. Um, things that we're bringing to the table is different and people that know me know that I like to do things different, but it also still gets the job done in a whole different manner. And people are like, Whoa, what? I think that's, I think that's what pioneering your own ideas and and doing your own thing and bringing a change to a community like the tactical Mm -hmm. space, not just a tactical space, everyone else. Right. But like that one to our heart, because that's where we come from. That's yeah, kind yeah. of what we do. We, like, like we've kind of talked about before, I think where we have a real advantage as a as a company is is kind of in in the very nature that it's a company and not like a government organization. So we we, we have like a really uh, a really good ability to be to be super transparent and and two way with our I don't know whether calling them customers is, is kind of the right term. I like, like to say athletes. athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so exactly. So so in terms of like putting out working on projects and, and things like that rather than just being for the sake of doing it because it's not been done before it, it's kind of what what can we how can we kind of create the best tool how can we create the best uh, the best opportunity the best product for our for our athletes so i think the the kind of the the lunch and learn these these sort of mini mini segment ideas hopefully will be something that that 
the audience will be able to to kind of shape with us. Yeah, um, we're, we're very very much focused on on this idea of trying to trying to kind of bridge the gap almost between academia, science, theory, and what happens literally boots on the ground. Um, because we we recognise that the tactical athlete is by the very nature of it a, a specialist in their role. So we don't also need them to be a specialist in understanding and deciphering psychological research papers or kind of biochemistry research papers. We want to take on that role and, and do that for them, for you, so that you can concentrate on doing the job that you, you specialize in. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's one thing I like to say, especially it's like, you know, we're not trying to sh just give you a workout to work out and just do it. Like we're actually at the same time trying to teach you to understand the intent behind what it is, right? And the intent behind why you do specialize. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And, and, and one of the greatest things about being a tactical professional is that the specialization is a very broad specialization. <laughs> and what I yeah. mean by that, when we go to look at a football player, the specialization for that is if he's a linebacker, he knows that he has to go ahead and be special. He specializes in being a linebacker. The same thing with a lineman, the same thing with that. We can go ahead and take, um, but when we go and look at a firefighter, right? you have to understand that some of them might want to do urban and then move down to more of the rule and then move into doing hot shots type stuff. So like that specialty aspect of the specialization now goes from being a two to going to being a six. That's the, the gap that he has to have to specialize in. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and that's yeah. again coming down to the idea that margin of error, right? The more variability I have in my own like profession allows for me to go ahead and manage things that much more better and more efficient. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I think so. Um, with that, well, Matt, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about these lunch series that we're going to be doing, and you know what to expect. I know, like, um, I've given him my ideas of what I want to do. He's gotten his together. We put them together, and I think that the idea from here is going to be, uh, it's going to be playing to our strengths. I think is what is what Matt said um, <laughs> <laughs> um, to make the dynamic really well. And I think what we're going to go ahead and do. Actually, you know what, Matt. Go ahead and share it, my friend. <laughs> so the the kind of the general the general concept we've we've got, if you like, is that what we want to try and what we want to try and do is try and provide uh, again, I guess, a link between or the reasons why what's happening on the ground is happening. So we think that for things like uh, like performance or like injury or stress, things like that. We kind of feel that if we can make if we can make it understandable and relatable, then we can start kind of having the next question of well, how do we make it better? So the the, the kind of the concept we we've got here is to try and uh, shed some light into into kind of um, some areas of, of of tactical performance, if you like, um, that that perhaps we either take for granted or that we maybe only have seen from a uh, from a very kind of, um, yeah, very applied approach. So, and that leads us into this, because this is one thing that I really enjoy about this, is the fact that we're going to go ahead and be taking pieces of this project that we're working on and actually diving into them separately. So 
for example, with the boots on deck and seeing how all of this applies together, we'll go ahead and take the foot, for example. Um, it's something that, you know, I've talked about since 2015, 16, especially as I got really big into endurance and how like the foot is the foundation. And I think just now again, within 2020, 2021, we're starting to see a lot of people talk about the foot, but I also feel like there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes down to looking at training the foot or how it utilizes, um, support for the system. Right. Uh, and, and that's kind of the biggest things. And, and one thing I love the fact about, you know, what we're going to be doing is that, you know, I'm going to be able to bring a, a, a legit experience base that has guided me to this idea of what works and what doesn't work. Again, I understand that's been for me, but I've also worked with a number of different athletes who have done similar things as I have. And we've seen that work with some of those things. So you can't tell me that there's no science behind it or there's no research or no foundation or evidence behind it when you've seen it work on other people. We just have to learn how to, you know, create the narrative to fit them at the end of the day. And, and, then, and then from there, we can go ahead and bring in Matt and speak more about like the scientific standpoint of it and why it matters to go ahead and understand that the foot is a foundation. You must have the biggest surface area in your feet to go ahead and give you the best support, right? That's the truth. And, and one thing that I love the fact that, you know, we've talked a lot about, again, it goes back to this change of direction and agility aspect because, again, it's something that we don't talk about a lot. You know, like you see it in the programming, but we end up, you know, forgetting that, hey, the tactical athlete is a multi-directional athlete, right? Or you can say an omnidirectional, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Like literally everything. literally everything. They're not just, a, they're just not one direction. So we have to go ahead and understand that like that comes into play to help with decision-making when it matters, especially when they're performing their job. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and so these lunch and learn series are going to be awesome. They're not going to be no more than 10 to 15 minutes and they're just going to be quick, you know, Matt's going to ask a question and I'm going to go down a rabbit hole and he's going to go ahead and pair science with it or I'm going to pair theory with it and we're going to go ahead and, and again, we want feedback. We want to be like, hey, like this matters, this sounds good, this is what we are looking for or I've had the similar things and I've had to try and fix my feet or like, yeah, how do I get better range of motion when my ankles are in, or my feet are in boots all day, you know, or like what is it that I can do and training to allow for me to do this and why does it matter that we have to focus on the feet not just everything else yeah 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 you're completely right um yeah completely right it's i think the the better we can so let me back up this time (laughs) um so so i think i think where um where strength conditioning and human performance is going is more and more data and science driven which is which is awesome. It's really good. It's kind of it means everything's very transparent. That's the kind of the very nature of it. We we kind of um, we can we can kind of try and figure out exactly why things are happening. The issue with a lot of that stuff is it takes time. So again, going back to what we were talking about before, with me finding research papers that kind of makes George yawn because he's, he knows about that. He's on to the next thing. Um, where is where it's an issue is that. If you're if you're just following what's what's kind of being published and what's been researched, the lag time on that's so great that you you effectively kind of behind the curve. And whilst whilst the tactical world is a bit different in that we don't have it's not like we have to prep for competition against another team, so we've got to get there before they have. Ultimately, like what what we do really really matters, and it's our responsibility we feel to to kind of put put you guys as, as our as our tactical athletes, our tactical professionals in the best possible position to perform. That's a lot of peace. Um, <laughs> so 
So, so, um, so it, it's really important to us that we, we kind of, um, we try and have, have like, we, we take the best from that. We take the, the, the best that's kind of available, but ultimately it has to go through that, that filter or that lens of experience. And, and as George was saying, I think that's, that's kind of where a lot of his firsthand stuff is, is really useful because it means that we can, um, we can make sure that it's, it's truly applicable to what people are going to be facing and, and, and what they're doing. Yeah. And, and I'm excited about it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that we have going on right now and, you know, I'm excited to continue sharing a little bit of it as we continue moving forward with the podcast, doing these lunch and learn series. And if anybody has like topics they want us to talk about, um, feel free to send them to us. I'm more than happy to go ahead and throw that down. It just gives us more ideas to create some inspiration Absolutely. to keep, to kind of keep evolving and, and putting us into positions where, you know, I'm okay to say, I don't know that. Hey, Matt, could you know it? And if he does it, we usually kind of team up together to find what's going on. Cause that's happened to us in conversations before we're like, Oh, maybe we should check into that and see if that's a legit yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah like definitely. I said, you know, I, I, again, I know I pointed out like, Hey, there's a, like, we'll talk about the feet and the foot and what that does, but we're going to be getting into a lot of things. I mean, <laughs> sleep. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we're going to be talking about sleep. We're going to talk about like, you know, not just how to move a barbell. Like that's not just the goal here, right? Like the goal mm-hmm. is to go ahead and feed everybody some information that they can take for themselves and utilize in their own training by following the soft lead app and following the programming. Right. Cause yeah. again, yeah the way that we coach athletes is through platforms like this, through the app, communication through email. So the more that we can be that much transparent with them and what we expect from an intent aspect, I think that will go ahead and only make the programming that much more personal, even though it is a group yeah. style training session. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of, again, where the, the more sort of audience participation, if you like, the more of that we have, the better, because it's ultimately the audience that's using the product. Um, so we, we have to kind of, just like when we're like if you if you're kind of dealing with uniform or with kit we want to make sure the guys go out with the best possible kit we see this as exactly the same uh, or through exactly the same kind of frame of mind in that we want to try and deliver the best tool possible so if we can make it as, as relevant and as applicable to to you as possible that's that's kind of what we want sick well guys i think this wraps it up for our show today um you guys will go ahead and start seeing a lot more from us in terms of the podcast we're going to be trying to put one out once a week along with a luncheon series we'll try and be one to two times a week is is what we're going to try and do um so again we'll go ahead and keep you guys posted on when those lunch and uh, lunch and learn series will start to drop um but till then enjoy our podcast if you guys have anything you want us to talk about questions um you'd like for us to answer on the podcast send them our way over at george at softleet.com matt uh yeah exactly the same um i think that the, the kind of the more we can um the more we can kind of figure out what's going on the better really uh so um yeah feel free to, to kind of hit me up if if i can help anything matt softly.com um, and uh, yeah we'll try our best to help awesome well guys thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys again